I believe I've mentioned before the, uh, my first vehicle, the um, 1978 Ford Fairmont sport model that uh, um, actually now in hindsight, you know, I was lucky to have, I think back in 1986 or so. And um, so dad being how dad was, you know, he said, well, okay, if you're going to have a car, you know, not only going to pay for the insurance, but you, you, need how, you need to know how to keep up the maintenance. So taught me how to change the oil and, you know, what, lube the transaxle or something like that? I don't know. And uh, I don't do it anymore. And um, we changed brake pads. We changed the alternator, the battery, um, of course, the filters, the, you know, checking the fluids, all that stuff. It was kind of a piece of crap, actually, now that I think of it. It kept breaking all the time. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Dad just... Uh, was one of those guys who kind of could do almost anything, you know, uh, but, but would just work on his vehicles because that's what you do. And, um, and so he made sure that I, I knew how to do that. Now, I don't think his goal, although he would have been fine with it, um, I don't think his goal was that I become a mechanic. That's a noble job, though, and I think he would have probably been very happy if I had because then he'd get his work done for free. But, um, you know, his goal wasn't that. I mean, there was the very initially, right, like, I need my son to take care of this car so I don't have to. Like, it needs to be his job. And there is the doing and the not doing to make sure that the car itself doesn't fail. But even more than that, right, there's a deeper lesson. The deeper lesson is that, you know, you've been given something. And, you know, even though it was a 78 Ford Fairmont, you've been given something, if you will, small, although it's not really small, but you've been given something, let's see if you can take care of it. Let's see if you can, what kind of, you know, value you bring to it and see how, you know, you ought to be grateful for what you have and how do you treat it, you know, et cetera, right? You're, you're trying to teach somebody, a teenager, re responsibility, et cetera. So there's the, the practical, the do's and the don'ts of the mechanics of it, but then there's the, uh, there's the, deeper, the deeper meaning, the deeper value, the deeper lesson. Now, when we look at the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant, we have a very similar dynamic. In the Old Covenant, the do's and the don'ts are the Ten Commandments, largely. I mean, there's more than that in the, in the Old Covenant, but that's the, the hallmark of the, of the Old Covenant is, you know, are the two tablets, right? How we are to be with God, how we are to treat God, how we are to be in relationship with God, that's one through three, and then the rest are how we are to be with one another. So the Ten Commandments are really about how to live here and now, how we are to live here and now, rightly and justly with God and with one another. Now, when we get to the New Testament, though, what is it that we would say happens with what is expected of us from God? The Old Covenant never goes away. We still need to abide by the Ten Commandments. But Jesus brings something more. You know, just like, again, when, you're, when you kids here, you know, you, have, you probably have chores around the house. The goal of your parents is not to make sure that you make a really good bed or that you're really, really good at taking out the trash. The goal is something deeper. There's the very 
practical take care of your stuff and the house, but there's the deeper goal of what does that mean? It means you're part of the family, you're part of the house, you need to contribute to the common good. You need to learn responsibility in little, little things, and then you'll have responsibility in bigger things. So the same thing is happening with the new covenant. And principally, if you would say the, the hallmark of the old covenant is the Ten Commandments, the hallmark of the new covenant are the Beatitudes. And the difference, there's, there's significant differences, but the main difference is this. The Ten Commandments are oriented toward our living here and now, and the Beatitudes point us to the meaning for it. They point us to eternity. And so Jesus uses polemical language like, blessed are you who are, who are mourning and weeping and you know, poor and all of this kind of bad stuff. And we're thinking, well, gosh, why would I want that? You know, why would I want that? And then all the people having fun, woe to them. So if you're laughing, woe. If you have enough money, woe. You, you, you worked hard and built a good business, woe. Woe to you. That's not really the point. It's polemical language, all right? And what he's trying to say to people is simply this. If you're living your life merely to have pleasure and success and happiness here, you're missing the whole point of creation and the whole point of salvation. These things here are, are yes, they're good. They're meant to be enjoyed. Relationships and love and happiness, working hard and, and building a business, doing well. In whatever we do, we should aim at virtue. We should aim at excellence. We, we should, if we're going to do something, we should try to do it as, as well as we can and enjoy the goodness of that. But always remembering that it's just temporary. It's going to pass away. And so when Jesus says, you know, blessed are you who are poor, well, it's more than just sort of a physical poverty. He's, he's trying to say, look, understand that without me, you can do nothing. Understand that to really receive me into your life and into your hearts, there needs to be a, an acknowledgement of poverty, that there's a lack without God. Without God, we are lacking the most important thing, of course, in existence. And only those who uh, really understand that can receive God, right? So we go back to the common uh, saying, of, or the familiar saying, of Jesus when, when he's criticized about spending time with sinners and tax collectors and, and eating with these people, etc. He's, he's hanging out with all the bad people, not all the good people. What's the deal? And he says, I've come for those who need a physician. I've come for those who are sick, not those who are well or think they're well. You don't go to the doctor if there's nothing wrong with you. You don't go to the doctor. I mean, you shouldn't, by the way. You should go to a different doctor if you're doing that. Um, <laughs> and you might get a referral. Um, but, you know, you don't go to the doctor if you're... Well, you know, if the divine physician... Yes, we're sick insofar as... I mean, it, it, you know, that term is loaded. But, but in the sort of biblical meaning or the theological meaning that we need God's grace for salvation. We need God's grace for everyday living to, to give us the fuel to get throughout life. We need God's grace to forgive us of our sins, on and on. We need God's grace. 
And that is the medicine for the existential problems we have, for all of the deepest longings. We can fill up a little bit in this life, but it's always lacking. It's always lacking. And so Jesus comes, of course, and he is very, very critical of the ones who think they have it all together. The ones who think that, you know, because they have wealth, they've been blessed by God, because that was the presumption. Oh, if I have a lot of wealth, well, that means God loves me more than everyone else. And Jesus comes and says, no, that's not how it works. In fact, Jesus, or in fact, God has a, Jesus being God, but God has a, has a particular love for the poor, for the weak, for the victim, for those who are ostracized, for those who are ridiculed, that there's actually a special closeness that God has with these people because they more easily see what they lack and how much they need God. So the Beatitudes orient us toward heaven, toward eternity, and we're reminded today that as much as we can enjoy the good things in this life, and they are good, many of them, they are not meant to sustain us for eternity. They are not eternal food. They're temporal. The only eternal food, as it were, that we can receive now is by virtue of God's grace, faith, hope, and love, and the grace we receive in the sacraments. And to remember to keep this in balance, that we're always going to somewhere else, and we're on that journey together. Please stand.